Well, you picked a good Sunday to be here at Maranatha as we start a new series. Uh, and we are looking at uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, over the next number of weeks together. You can turn there if you're not already there in your copy of God's Word uh, as we look at this great letter together written by the Apostle Paul to believers in Thessalonica. Uh, if you were with us uh, a while back, we looked at the letter of 1 Thessalonians, and so we're just continuing through now into 2 Thessalonians together and uh, encouraged to see what God will have for us today. Um, have you ever had someone come to you and show or share with you a video, whether on their phone or on the television, they're showing you a video that you've not seen and they've seen it, and they're really excited for you to see it. Have you ever done that? Where if you saw a video and you're like, oh, you got to check this out. And you go up to them, and as they're watching that video, what are you doing as they're watching the video? You're watching them, right? You're, you're looking at them, and if it's something very encouraging or something that's like super great, you're giving them the video, and as they're watching the video, because you've already seen it, you already know what the video is, you're watching them, and most of the time, if we're like cognizant of it, we have a smile on our face, and our eyes are big, and we're like, huh? Like you're waiting for them to see what you want them to see, and if you've ever been the one watching the video, it's kind of weird, it's kind of creepy, like because you feel eyes, like I see you looking at me, because they're waiting to see your reaction, right? Because they know what's coming, they know what you're about to see, and so they are with great excitement and like, like joy waiting to see your reaction when it's something good. Well, I, that's what I was thinking of when I think of uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonian believers in 2 Thessalonians. Paul is writing to a group of people, individuals, that were living for Jesus Christ in the midst of uncertain times. In the midst of severe persecution and hardship, in the midst of, of great trials and tribulations that they were enduring because of their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were living in a manner that was pleasing to God. They were walking in a manner that was pleasing to God. Their faith was unshakable and they were honoring Christ in the midst of complete uncertain times from the world's perspective. But isn't it true that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, in the midst of uncertainties, in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecutions, in the midst of all that's going on when everyone else doesn't know what to expect, when everyone else doesn't know what to think, no one else knows what's coming next, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have the assurance, the joy, the peace, the hope that our sovereign God is fully in control and he will do as he wills. You and I have the assurance as believers in Jesus Christ that we know the victory that we have through Christ. So no matter what comes our way, we can watch and anticipate with great joy because we know the ultimate eternal outcome of our faith. Eternal life in Jesus Christ. And these believers knew that. Paul was writing this letter to the believers in 2 Thessalonians here, and he's letting them know and commending them for the faith that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was writing to a healthy church, but nonetheless, one that needed encouragement, that needed comfort, that needed some correction and confrontation. As was the case with Paul's earlier letter to the Thessalonian believers we see Paul is greatly encouraged in giving thanks to the Lord for the testimony and perseverance of the church in Thessalonica. 
Paul would be writing this letter shortly after his first letter. First letter is dated in AD 51. The second letter, uh, late 51, early 52, Paul writing to these believers, commending them again for their faith. And he's going to give them this encouragement and challenge as they live and persevere for Jesus Christ, as they have faith in the midst of uncertain times. I wonder, isn't that an appropriate thought for you and I living in the world in which we live today? Faith in the midst of uncertain times. But as uncertain as the times may seem, can I encourage you this morning, church, that with great certainty our God is fully in control. And so we rest in that. Let's look at the passage again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I want to read it just again together. You could follow along as I read aloud. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We had always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Paul is going to be writing this letter to a group of believers that have been recipients of the grace of God, the peace of God, relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was writing to a called out group of individuals. We have to understand and recognize this morning that if you and I claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we are part of the body of Christ, the church, we are separate from the world. We have to understand this morning that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, our calling, our purpose, our drive in life is different than those who do not know Jesus. We are to be separate. We are to be the called out group. And with that calling out comes responsibility and privilege of serving the most high God who is sovereignly in control of all things. Paul writes to them and he wishes them grace and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at this, Paul is going to be giving thanks. Paul says in verse 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers Anytime that a word like that or a phrase like that appears in scripture where someone like the apostle Paul who had a thriving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who was a writer of much of the New Testament scriptures under the inspiration of the spirit of God, a leader in the church. Anytime someone like Paul writes, we ought always to give thanks for you brothers. That's a pretty significant statement, isn't it? He's recounting the reasons why he gives thanks to God for these believers. And so if you and I as believers in Christ see a phrase like that and we think, wow, Paul was giving thanks to God constantly for these believers, there's got to be a reason why, right? And and what I love about this is Paul's going to give an explanation of the reason for his thanksgiving in the verses that follow. He says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, As is right. We want to give thanks to God for you. We want to give encouragement and praise because we have been encouraged and we have been uh, comforted by your faith 
in your response in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks. This was the same statement that Paul would make in his first letter. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 2, Paul would say, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. What a statement, again, of encouragement and comfort. That the Apostle Paul would say, We give thanks concerning you constantly always making mention of you in our prayers. Not only is that an encouragement to the group of believers that Paul is writing to, but what an encouragement for Paul that as he petitions the Lord, as he goes to the Lord on behalf of these believers, he is going with thanksgiving. Isn't that great? Have you ever gone to the Lord in praise for someone that is a follower of Christ that is dear to you and you just are just pouring out thanksgiving to God for how he has worked in their lives? Isn't that comforting? It's incredible. And how comforting is it when you receive notice from someone that says, hey, listen, I want you to know I am constantly making mention of you in my prayers to God. What a comfort for the believer in Christ. And isn't that what we are called to do? Imagine how your day changes if you were to be inundated with text messages or phone calls or letters and those came in the mail or came on your phone and it said, hey, just want to let you know I am constantly upholding you before the Lord today. That's incredible. I got to tell you how much I appreciate it. From time to time, we get a card from some of the ABFs as pastors, and the, the card is filled with notes and signatures from people in the ABF that say, we want to let you know we're praying for you, we're praying for you, we're praying for you, we're praying for you. That's just absolutely incredible. And I hope you've been on the receiving end of that, but I also hope you are able to be on the giving end of that as you encourage other believers in Christ. And so there's great encouragement as Paul begins this letter to the church in Thessalonica following his first letter that contained similar praise and thanksgiving to God. But he's going to give thanks to this church because this church was a healthy church. It was a church that was seeking to honor the Lord. It was a church that was serving Christ well. And they were not a perfect church. Can I say something this morning? There is not a perfect church in this world. This side of eternity, there will not be a perfect church. Because we're made of imperfect people. I want to let you know that all of us in this room, we are guilty as sinners that have then been saved and transformed by Jesus Christ. But we will fail. We will fall short. But God does not. But as a church, our desire is to be healthy before the Lord. To serve him well. And that's what this church was doing. And so as we look at Paul's thanksgiving this morning, I want us to see a number of reasons that Paul was giving thanks, constantly mentioning these believers in prayer before God. And I believe these reasons serve as a pathway or a map, if you will, for you and I as believers in the church, if we too want to be healthy as the body of Christ meeting here at Maranatha. First, Paul was going to give thanks because they had a growing faith. They had a growing faith. He says, we ought always to give thanks, verse 3, to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Don't miss what he says here. We give thanks to God always for you, brothers. Why? Because your faith is growing abundantly. They had a growing faith. Healthy things grow. They had a growing faith. Things were moving forward. There was growth and evidence from the time that they knew and trusted Christ as Savior. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says that what was instrumental 
in their growth in belief in Christ is that when they received the word of God that they heard, they welcomed it not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And Paul would say this in 1 Thessalonians, the word of God, which is at work, which is effectively at work in you who believe. They had a growing faith. Healthy things grow. I had an opportunity yesterday to attend a birthday party for my nephew. He's 15. And while we were at the party there and we're sitting around the table, uh, my sister and brother-in-law were sharing different videos of my nephew when he was just a little, like, little kid, maybe four years old, five years old, and they were showing the videos, and, and everybody was just doing the, oh, you know how it is when you see kids, like, when they're younger, like, when they're older, it's kind of like, okay, but when they're younger, it's like, oh, so they're showing this video, and in the video, you listen to his voice, and his voice was like little kid's voice, you know what I mean? You listen to the voice, and, and no matter who they are as little kids, it's like kind of like a squeaky, kind of like makes you think of a mouse like squeaking around. Like the voice is just cute, you know? And they're talking, like, I don't know, mommy. Like it's, like it's like one of those things when you listen to it, it's cute, okay? And you watch some of the things that they do, and, and it doesn't matter what they do. And if they break something on accident, it's like, oh, did you break that? Like it's... A, like it's everything's okay, right? Uh, if you watch them and they do something you're not supposed to do and they're gonna be disciplined, you're gonna discipline them, but at the same time, it's kind of like, can you believe they did that? Like, as long as it's not anything major. But that's not the case for him as he's 15. It's even, I, I wanna break it to you, if you're young today, it's not even more not the case once you're an adult and you have responsibilities that fall on you and rest on you. Chances are at your place of employment, if you do something wrong or that you're not supposed to do, you're not being looked at by your boss being like, oh, that's okay. Did you mess up? It's not happening. <laughs> Why? Why? Because there is an expectation that the older you get, the more mature you become, the more responsibility you can handle, the greater, uh, the greater mind that you have as you grow and you mature. And listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we too should be growing if we are healthy in Jesus Christ. The things that we once did, we should no longer do. The responses, the actions, the words, our mindset, the eyes that we have and the actions that we take, they should not match who we once were. If we're healthy, we should be growing. And Paul is talking about these believers here and he says, listen, you are growing. And look at what he says. Don't miss what he says. You are growing what? How? Abundantly, he says. There's not just a matter of some, some growth where it's like, oh man, like I think, like, like have you ever like, maybe you didn't deal with this, but like when I was a kid and I wanted to like see how tall I was, they would like mark it on the thing. You know how discouraging it is from the time you're like 13 to get up there and it never increases when you're like, just, I don't know how that was old. But you're looking for any glimmer of hope. Like I hope it's up another yeah, centimeter. That is not the type of growth that Paul's talking about for these believers. He says in this passage that your faith is growing abundantly. Think of that. Abundantly. The word that's used for abundantly there means to be without measure, beyond measure is the word that's used there for abundantly. Beyond measure, 
or it can be said to grow exceedingly is the word that's used. Talk about conviction. Could it be said of you and I as believers in Christ and our walk in relationship with Christ that our faith is growing abundantly in the Lord Jesus Christ? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul's earlier letter to the church in Thessalonica, he is writing and again he's giving thanks and he says this beginning in verse 2 of chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, very similar wording, remembering before our God and our Father your work of faith, your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 5 of chapter 1, For our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Verse 6 of chapter 1, he would say, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. These were believers in Jesus Christ that were growing abundantly in their walk with Christ, in their faith in Christ. And as they were growing abundantly, it could not be ignored. Have you ever been at someone's house and they had a garden? And when you walk in the backyard and their garden is so, like, just lush, it's so grown that you're like, holy cow, look at that garden. You know what I'm talking about? You look at that garden and and typically what is it that grows, like, the biggest in a garden and you see everywhere in a garden? It's a trick question because it depends on what all you planted. But it's, most of the time, it's tomatoes, if you plant in a garden and you have tomato plants, these plants just get huge. And you actually see people who will put the stakes in their garden, like the wooden stakes that they can tie the tomato plants to so that the tomato plants grow, like they can just grow up. And you see red tomatoes if it's like, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it's like tomato season, where you see tomatoes just everywhere. And if you have any people that have gardens or neighbors, like they're always coming with a plastic bag from Giant Eagle. It's like, here's a bunch of tomatoes for you. And, and the tomatoes are coming everywhere, right? Because they just take over the garden. They take over the garden. I'm a hot pepper guy. And so like, I remember like when we would plant as a family, like hot peppers and uh, we would plant tomatoes and we would plant like cabbage and lettuce and all these other things. And I remember going and being like, where's the peppers at? Like there's like 8 million tomatoes, but like the peppers, like you got to search for, right? You got to look like closely for the tomatoes though. Holy cow, you can't miss them. They're everywhere. That is the type of growth that God wants for you and I as believers in Christ. Growth that cannot be ignored. Growth that cannot be missed. That anyone who looks and says, oh, look, there's a garden over there. Wow, look at all the tomatoes. Abundant growth. Abundant growth. I wonder to those that we work with, to those that are closest to us, to those in our family, those that we spend the most time with, do they even know we have relationship with Christ and would they describe us as those that are abundantly growing in our faith? This was the case for the believers in Thessalonica. It was growing beyond measure. It was growing 
beyond measure. And Paul was giving thanks for that. Secondly, their love was increasing towards one another and towards God. Not only did they have a growing faith, but they had a love that was increasing towards one another and towards God. He says again, the latter part of verse 3, Your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. He says, not only do you have this growing faith that's growing abundantly, but your love for one another is increasing. What a great statement to be said about the church. That our love for one another is increasing. I wonder, is that true? Is that true for us? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, Paul's first letter, verses 9 and 10 He says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. Paul's first letter, he's writing to them and he's encouraging them. Hey, I'm encouraged by the fact that you're loving all of the brothers, but I want to challenge you to do this more and more. And so how great is it that in Paul's second letter that he's writing to the Thessalonians, he says, we are constantly giving thanks to God because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Isn't that great? What an encouragement. And and don't miss what he says. He says that every one of you, every one of you is increasing. What an incredible truth. That the love that they had for one another and towards each other was increasing more and more, just as Paul challenged them in his first letter. John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 10 would say, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. It is a new commandment at the same time that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. You see, this was not a new command, and yet it was a new command to love one another even as Christ loved us. Paul was commending them as Thessalonians for their love that was increasing for one another. John has made it abundantly clear that if we say we love God but do not love one another, we're liars, and the truth is not in us, and we are not in the light as he is in the light. But what an incredible mark of a healthy church, that their faith is growing and that their love is increasing. Their love is increasing towards one another and towards the Lord. I wonder, is that true of us? Could we rightly say that our love for one another is increasing in the Lord? And that the love that we have for our great God is increasing as well. I wonder, have you experienced the longing for fellowship? and community with the believer in Jesus Christ when it's removed from you? Have you experienced the heartache when you can't be together with believers to worship? You know, my daughters, two of them share a room, and when they were younger, and they would regularly complain about wanting their own room, and the two of them you know, would be in there, I would try to tell stories of like, when I was a kid, you know, the walk uphill both ways and all that other stuff, you know, all of us lived in one room, like, and try to, you know, help them see what they did. But 
But they would complain regularly about like, I want my own room, I want my own room, I want my own room. And then when one of them would not be there overnight, whether they were at a friend's house or they were with my parents or my wife's parents and they were by themselves in that room, you know what they said? They missed their sister. They wanted them there. There was an absence there that they wanted filled. That same absence, that same longing and desire should be present in the life of the believer in Christ when we are not together with the body of Christ. Our love for one another should be evidence to all. That is how we show the world that we are his children, by our love for one another. Paul's giving thanks to God because their faith is growing abundantly and their love for one another is increasing and that could not be missed. There was evidence of it to all that would see. This is something only God can do. Number three, Paul's giving thanks because their faith was anchored. Their faith was anchored. Look at verse four. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith. For your steadfastness and faith. Paul was encouraged to find their faith was standing firm. Their faith was unshakable in the Lord. Their faith was anchored. Back in his first letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul would share about his concern for the faith of the believers in Thessalonica. Paul would share with them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we don't have time to read the passage this morning, but in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul would talk about the longing and desire that he had to be with these believers. He longed to be with them. He was concerned for their faith. He was concerned that they might be tossed, that they might be shaken because of the uncertainties and persecutions and trials that they were enduring. And Paul longed to be with them, but Paul said that he could not come, so he sent Timothy to them. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul shares about the report that Timothy brought back to him concerning these believers as he was concerned for their faith. And this is what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. But now Timothy has come to us from you. Remember, he sent Timothy because he was concerned for their faith. He was concerned that they would be shaken because of the trials and persecutions they were enduring, because of so much of the teaching that was prevalent during that day. And he says, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about You through your faith, he says. He says, we've been comforted because of your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Paul's prayer to them in verse 11 was, may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you and may the Lord, listen to what he says, make you increase and abound in love for one another. Don't miss this. Paul's prayer in the first letter was before the Lord that the Lord would allow them to increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Do you remember what we just read? Paul's giving thanks to God for their growth and he's giving thanks because they are increasing in their love for one another. 
His prayer was that you would increase in your love for one another. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord with all his saints. Paul's prayer was for their love to increase, for growth to continue, for them to remain steadfast and immovable in their faith. And here in 2 Thessalonians, this letter to the believers, what is Paul starting his letter with? Thanksgiving to God for the growth that they are experiencing, the love that is increasing, and their faith, which has remained steadfast and immovable in the midst of the uncertain times that they were living in. Talk about answer to prayer. (laughs) Talk about reasons to give God praise and give God thanks. Paul longed for this for these believers. And God was blessing Paul by allowing Paul to see that their faith Remained. Their faith was anchored in Christ. This wasn't an accident. This didn't just happen. From the first letter that Paul wrote to these believers, and from what we'll continue to read, these believers anchored their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed God at his word. They were sounding forth the gospel from their lives. They were set for the defense of the gospel no matter what may come. This was on purpose, for God's purposes. Their faith was anchored in Christ. Have you ever gone to the beach and taken with you a beach umbrella, big umbrella, that when you get to the beach, you have to dig out the sand to be able to anchor that umbrella? Have you ever done that before? How many of you have done that before? I'm just curious. Um, you go to the beach and you dig it out and you put it now. You, the, the umbrella typically comes with that anchor, and it's about like this big, and it's a different color than the rest of the, the umbrella. So you want to make sure that that's completely buried over that kind of line to make sure it's anchored there. Well, I've been to the beach before where we've dug out the sand in the beach, and we've put that umbrella in there, and I get tired of digging, and I'm like, that will be fine. And so you just put it in there, and then like it doesn't do the same thing if then you just build up sand above like grade to like cover up the, (laughs) like there's something special about, well, at least if you can't see it, it's good. It's not, you need to dig deep, right? But you know what happens when you have an umbrella at the beach and it's not anchored properly and the wind blows? It blows away. It rips it right out of the sand and it goes flying and someone could get seriously injured and you look really foolish because you didn't properly anchor that umbrella and when that wind picks up and comes, it just gets completely torn away. Isn't the same true in our faith? That if we are not securely anchored daily to Jesus Christ, if the resting place of our faith is not secure, if we've not truly received and welcomed daily the word of God into our lives as it is in truth the word of God, when winds pick up, And difficulties come. It's evidence to all that we are not anchored. These believers in the midst of great persecution and trials anchored their faith in Christ. They were enduring trials as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And for this reason, Paul was giving thanks. This demonstrates health, growth, Increasing in love, standing steadfast in their relationship with Christ. And Paul was giving thanks. Finally, number four, they were enduring persecution as children of God. 
He says, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions you are enduring. They were enduring persecution as children of God. Timothy said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is what will happen if we are living godly in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you, are you prepared for persecution, church? When persecution comes, will it be said of us as believers, we are enduring persecution as followers that are unshakable in our Lord Jesus Christ? These believers were. Your steadfastness in faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. In the midst of all the persecutions, trials, difficulties, and uncertainties, the word of God was sounding forth from these believers so that Paul could say, we don't even need to say anything anymore because you're doing the work. This is a healthy church. A healthy church that is growing, that is loving, that is steadfast, that is enduring hardship and persecution to the glory of God of our great God. I wonder how healthy, how healthy are we today? How healthy are you today? Is your faith growing? Is your love increasing? Is your faith steadfast? Are you enduring persecution to the glory of God? If you are, if we are, there is reason to give thanks to our great God for it is only through the strength and power that he gives that we can honor him in this way. This series, I believe, is so relevant and important for us as we look at believers in Christ who had faith in the midst of uncertain times. I hope that you, as I, will be challenged during this series and that we will go from here committed and ready to serve our Savior, Jesus Christ, with great certainty because we know with great certainty when everyone else has no idea what's to come. We do. Victory in Jesus Christ. Hope for eternity. Life that will never end because of our Savior Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We're thankful for the encouragement that we can find in your word, Lord, and the encouragement that Paul had because of the believer's stance in the gospel and the faith that they had towards you. I pray that we too, in the midst of uncertain times, would stand firm. That we too, in the midst of uncertain times, would give you glory, Lord, and that we would be quick to speak the name of Christ, quick to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you are deserving of all glory and of all praise. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you would stir within us a desire to sound forth the word of God from our lives, to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to by which we've been called as followers of Jesus Christ for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.